and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 120. In this episode I'm going to be going through the discography of the Czechia-based band Master's Hammer. So Master's Hammer kind of are one of those bands that sit interestingly sort of between the first and second wave of black metal. They formed in 1987 so that's like the year Bathory put out under the sign of the black mark so kind of well into that first wave but um then the the uh the first like really black metal dark throne album wouldn't be to 92 so they're kind of between there and you'll see like the way their sort of sound progresses it's sort of it's almost flowing into the start of the norwegian scene and i think there's enough overlap particularly in their early style that they're kind of it's relevant to talk about in that that kind of regard but anyway to go back to their their very earliest release so they got things to go very quickly apparently like putting out their first demo this same year this is the ritual murder the lineup is a uh, main man like guitarist and vocalist Frenata Storm joined by uh Milan Fibiger on bass and uh Ferenc Veko on drums who would go on with the band for like a little bit but um uh, Neva would make it to the debut album and so this this demo it's one of those things like it's going to be 50 50 with this kind of stuff like sometimes those earliest demos of bands like that some of that like really early enslaved stuff is absolutely legendary still and sometimes the ideas haven't quite come together and i i think with master's hammer this first demo is it's interesting but it's a really like interesting from a historical context rather than actually being particularly good i'd argue so the demo is actually quite long. It's seven tracks, half an hour. So you know, a hell of a lot of material. But what's kind of interesting with it is you can kind of feel like a young band just throwing all their influences in there and sort of seeing what sticks. Like there is some stuff that does sort of harken back to like the, those those kind of bands like Bathory I mentioned or like Hellhammer maybe. But then some stuff that feels more kind of like classic thrashy or even like kind of old heavy metal and it's all recorded with this like what sounds like a kind of live recording of the band essentially there's because we've only got one guitar bass and drums like there is no sort of overdub guitar so whenever Frenata leads into a guitar solo like you've just got bass underneath it and it makes things kind of feel a bit flat and the guitar solo sound quite out of place um the drums whenever the drummer sort of goes fast on the cymbals it just drowns out everything else going on but there is some really interesting sort of quite technical musicianship on display the bass playing is quite complex there's a lot of like cool things going on when the like the sort of the rhythm guitar drops out the leads are impressive if a little kind of like frantic and all over the place we don't quite have the classic black metal screaming voice on it it's like somewhere between sort of like a proto death metal voice and then some just like sort of just weird like squealing noises but it, it you know it's not quite the archetypical thing and also i feel this it just feels like Fernando storm hasn't quite found his voice yet but you know it, it's kind of cool and aggressive i think it's really the nature of like the sort of slightly unfocused songwriting this being clearly like all the ideas they had at the time coupled with the kind of very messy mix makes this sort of a hard listen but it's you know an interesting start point for a band and the fact they had like half an hour of music sort of ready to go you know six months into being a band is pretty incredible but what's really incredible is what would follow two years later in the form of their second demo finished uh, from 1988 the band has kind of massively fleshed out the lineup adding uh miller 
Krovina as a second guitarist and uh, Uric Four on timpani and cymbal. Um, this is kind of an interesting thing that will continue for the rest of Masters' Hammer career is they always have someone playing timpani, which um, I had to look up, is kind of like a large, sort of often used in orchestral kind of stuff, large like drum that makes this um, very dramatic echoing sound. So they always have this dual percussionist thing going on. So that's the original lineup with those two added. So we're now, now like a five piece and everything is gone from being this kind of raw unfiltered mishmash of ideas to a raw very focused very like singular idea of kind of thing of what to me just sounds like norwegian black metal like they've got a cool aesthetic from the cover like the the, the cover of the first demo is a bit all over the place but this one has this kind of um black and white uh photo negative image of the band with a kind of church upside down behind them which has this kind of still quite evil slightly disturbing vibe to it despite you know the very sort of rudimentary nature of the the effect and what really grabs me straight away with this is the guitar tone the guitar tone really feels like you know how when you first listen to Blaze in a Northern Sky and it's just that guitar tone is is just mind-blowing? This is that like that level of thing where there is this amazing, buzzing, like terrifying, evil guitar tone, and that that's what really anchors these songs. Um uh, Fernas Sons really found his voice on this one as well. He's gone for this like higher register kind of like weird snarly voice it just sounds incredibly kind of evil and very arch which again is kind of what you want from this genre now if you're going into this demo be aware it is raw in the way that people taking the piss out of describing how black metal is recorded is raw like it's it's apparently all recorded on like a two-track reel-to-reel system based on two like crappy mics and some really terrible gear like the the so everything if you want to listen to any of Master Sam's stuff, very cool. The band have put up literally everything on Bandcamp so you can get these great collections, all the demos, and they've not really touched them up as so they've like equalized the volume a bit on them, but otherwise you can get them in their sort of original form as along with all their studio albums. But yeah, there's there's a note on this which very makes very much makes it feel like the band are not kind of happy how it sounds. But for me, like I, I think it really works because it just captures that kind of atmosphere um the, the the mix is very heavy on like that that kind of gnarly guitar tone the vocals like the, the thing that's really kind of notable about this and this kind of is a theme through their early releases is while it feels very black metal what it doesn't have is that ever-present sort of double kick the the drumming in this is really slow and, and feels like almost slightly out of place for the black metal you're used to because it's a lot of you know, dealing with the tropes of that genre, but, you know, one of the main tropes of that genre is the endless blast beat, and they haven't quite got there yet. It's weird in the same way, say, like, the first two Mystifier albums just feel like they're, they're just, like, all the elements of black metal other than the really, the really fast drumming. But, you know, they capture something thoroughly evil and interesting on this, and for, for a release from, like, 88 or 89 i can't quite work out the original date of the release um there seems to be some discrepancy between the band camp and uh metal archives but even so you know pre the 90s to sound this black metal is pretty fucking incredible <laughs> 
I know this early stuff is pretty rough and ready, but if you want like the more polished and the black metal, do stick around. The, these guys certainly evolve over the the next few albums. Also, I've confirmed that was 1998. I was getting a bit confused about uh, sort of various dates there. So the next uh, release they have is Live in Zebraslav from uh, 1989, which is a live album that kind of features songs primarily from finished and it's fine like like any of those sort of live recordings of that era by very small bands like it's a cool capture of like the band playing live at that stage but it's not a kind of live in leipzig uh legendary uh kind of thing it's it's just fine (laughs) i guess it was nice to sort of have a live document of the band at that point in time but i don't think it'd be one i highly suggest going back and checking out before kind of you've gone through most of the other stuff of theirs the big thing going into 1989's third demo the mass is there's some personnel change to get a new drummer in who's only with them for that demo but sort of longtime guitarist uh necrocock uh joins the band a man not known for his subtlety but um he's someone who would go on to play on every every release uh going forward as a, a second guitarist also we um finally hit a more professional studio with um a young engineer, I no idea how to say his name, Zedenesikir. Um, that's definitely wrong. But like this guy would go on to to be involved recording a huge amount of bands, including like most notably for me, like Fear of Flame. He's also even credited for session work of uh, keyboards in both Cult of Fire and Death Karma. So someone who already had like some serious talents working with the band and with. The mass we get a much more polished release it's sounding a bit more full and rounded there you know you can hear all the various instruments rather than the guitars drowning everything it's still retaining some of that evil oil i wouldn't say it's quite as sort of terrifying sounding as finish the thing that sort of um makes this a bit of an artifact in its own ways because some of these songs would appear on the debut debut album ritual I don't know that I would regularly go back and listen to them in this form. Um, there's, there's tracks like the instrumentals Signum Diabolus, which don't make it to the main album, uh, which are really cool and, uh, like, you know, actually actually decent. I don't know whether they sort of pillage them for riffs later, but I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily recognise anything. But yeah, but through all the kind of demos, we're starting to hear tracks that would appear in their kind of, I don't know, sort of the the best format on ritual so these are all kind of footnotes in the lead up to a very important album
the fourth demo, uh, Fall of Idols, is probably worthy of the least comment because almost everything ended up being on the Ritual album and it very much feels like a pre-production demo for the album that would come out a year later. So it's 1990, it's about half an hour of music. The mainly like mainly notable for me, at least like looking back in a retrospective like this, is we get some quite significant personal changes which would kind of stay in place for the early era of the band. So uh, founding member Milan, Fibigeiger, the bass player for everything so far has left the band and actually gone on to a relatively successful career as an artist and illustrator uh, also like doing some stuff in the world of rock music but um i, I didn't recognize any of the bands he was in but yeah so he's he's gone into some other interesting artistic ends but um we get in sort of new bass player thomas vendel um a new drummer merrick valenta um, and yeah, so the lineup is now a um, a six-piece. Oh yeah, sorry, we've also got a new keyboard player, uh, Velasta Voral, who will actually outlast quite a lot of these uh, these people in the band. So yeah, the the lineup is really expanding into quite kind of a a full thing. And it's around this time we start getting what I find really interesting about this band. So obviously, big influence on Norwegian scene. You can kind of see that from the the style of stuff I've been showing so far and it'll become more apparent in the next album but what's really interesting is it's before that whole sort of corpse paint aesthetic had really come together so Master's Hammer just have this very odd presentation to them their their look is all over the place they kind of I know they have this very sort of they they look like they're in an avant-garde band which is kind of unsurprising because it's certainly the, the sort of style they were they were leaning to towards but they always have this quite interesting presentation in their in their um band photos from this era lots of stuff there's like you know loads of black and white smoke photos with loads of smoke and that but they're not dressed particularly evil like Frenata Storm himself is normally normally wearing quite ridiculous garb and like the, the, the image that comes to mind is one where he's sort of like being pushed along by the band in some kind of archaic looking wheelchair it's just really strange i'm struggling to describe them but just look up images of this band because yeah the one thing they don't have that you know from the black metal kind of traditional aesthetic is the look they never they're always doing their own thing on that which um i mean well is that the most black metal thing of all kind of beating your own drum in that regard all right that's enough stalling i think it's time to get to kind of really the main event of this episode this is the debut album 1991's ritual an album that is described by fenris of dark throne fame as the first norwegian black metal album ever despite being written by a band from the czech republic and yeah i can kind of see where he's coming from this one that like it does have quite all the trappings of that but there's certainly sort of an evil and ritualistic air the band have been building up to on through all those demos and this first release is pretty spectacular in that regard so this album clearly had a bit more of a budget behind it we're into studio hacienda uh, owned by millis uh, dolzal who um is someone who quite interesting to look up actually going through their sort of discography they've worked with a ton of bands sort of recording mixing producing etc of the years it's quite a good way to find sort of weird underground um metal from this kind of time period through the early 2000s because the the Czechia kind of scenes like amazing there's there's 
ton of great death metal there and uh, other like early black metal bands weirdo grind it's like a very interesting scene that doesn't see the light of day quite so much but yeah so he's done this much more kind of polished professional recording job all six members of the band are um, like very clear on this album it still has the problems of being a metal recording from 91 so like the kick drum doesn't sound quite right it could the drums could certainly have a lot more punch to them but they're very well captured and they're clear in the mix which is nice and the album just starts off in amazing fashion so it's got a kind of short intro of some very sinister slightly epic sounding keyboards and then uh we go into the first track uh proper pad moldy which really like just sets the tone for the album this very evil yet kind of simplistic riffing um with these like sort of layered echoing like kind of dark sounding keyboards over the top of it uh Frenata Storm's vocals are this kind of quite mid-range sort of snarl like really really clear and enunciated but it kind of at its core is just very good riffing there's still that kind of slight nod towards the older sort of heavy metal styles in there like there is a lot of cool memorable riffs throughout this album a lot of the riffs are still there, as you'd imagine, that kind of like fast pick, almost tremolo kind of black metal thing, but without descending into the like the real atmospherics. Like they, it does keep coming back to riffs without too many sort of repeats. The drumming is, it's not like crazy fast, but we got some solid double kicks throughout the most of it, and it's really, it's a really tight performance as well. Um, like there's the odd blast beat, but it mainly keeps things kind of more groovy while giving the the album like quite an insistent pace the vocals are really cool i think there's something about it being in the czech language as well that it like has this sort of slightly arcane feel to it because you know I, d I don't understand that at all it's the same thing would work very well for for sort of dark fronting in norwegian like um a year later like just making it that bit more impenetrable like that obvious kind of push away from the mainstream and as well Frenaz is doing a thing he would do quite a lot from this point, throwing sort of weirder things into the vocals. So while a lot of it's that kind of snarling scream, which sounds great, he will throw some odd, like, higher, strange stuff into there. As well, like, you can see the sort of development from the early demos of he's clearly less focused on showing off how good a musician he was so on the, that first demo i think he's about 20 years old and he's, he's a very talented guitarist and he's throwing in all these like crazy solos and really kind of out there bits of guitar work with the album there there are little bits of lead guitar here and there but they're quite restrained and always have this kind of very riffy feel so i think everything's in service of the idea of just making these kind of memorable epic songs lyrically the band are going into interesting territory it's this very sort of like occult and philosophical themed take on satanism they they sort of stated around the time they weren't into the kind of violent church burning side of satanism they were far more from like a kind of dark introspective kind of headspace but that still gives it that as i say that kind of like arch black metal energy there's um there's a kind of intellectualism and sort of that that kind of teen well, well not teenage i guess they're early 20s at this point but that sort of 
desire to put all your kind of weird and wonderful like influences on display so like it feels like there's a lot here referencing occult writings and uh kind of darker philosophical writings of the time the cover art as well has its own kind of weird thing going on we get the first appearance i think of the uh the master's hammer logo the kind of skull over the shield of an axe on it um and then the background is this washed out kind of snowy forest picture which <laughs> again sort of predating a lot of that kind of thing in this style i think there's like a big uh pentagram in the background of the, that as well and th this is more of Frenata storm's kind of vision for the band so as much as all these other musicians are certainly coming in and adding their own spin on it i think like the keyboards and the timpani do add that kind of interesting level over the top and this this new sort of tighter drummer has really given the band some drive but there is that that thing of yeah there is a very complete vision here and it's a vision that i think a lot of bands would take influence from even if not directly i think it's something that was referenced by a few and then became the kind of i don't know the the style like yeah this is one of the early examples i can think of something that would be considered you know, within that first and second wave black metal using the snow-covered forest scape as a cover. I kind of do really like the intersections of style on this. Like, as it's core, it sort of seems to be leaning into those classic heavy metal, sort of the darker side of thrash riffs. Like, there's certainly, you can feel some of that, like, early Sodom energy in, in some of the riffing. But there is all those seeds of things that would go on to be quite emblematic of second wave black metal with the keyboards and timpani there is almost a lean towards some kind of like folk elements in there they're they're lightly sprinkled on these early albums but they will get more pronounced as the band sort of go on so there's a really interesting fusing of styles that make for this very epic sound like kind of taking thrash but layering it in that kind of orchestral and folk energy on top with these kind of very pretentious occult trappings for the lyrics and this sort of interesting at the time very sort of unique art direction it just comes together to make something really really excellent and i think as well like what can't kind of be overlooked um is that just they wrote a load of really catchy cool songs like aforementioned pad moldy a great track uh the the kind of legendary staple from the album yama pekel uh pekle i think is pronounced um is is just yeah a really great early example of this kind of genre uh even there's a track on the album the, the title track ritual which is a cool kind of like three minute instrumental where things get a bit more kind of out there i wrote a song a couple of years ago and i i basically came up with exactly the same sounding intro riff that i i played in the same way and even the guitar tone similar so i am i've subconsciously ripped this band off because they they're clearly writing some incredibly cool riffs this early on as i say the only thing that lets it down is the mix and i think the mix is very kind of indicative of the era like there uh, there's something a little lacking in the drum production and maybe everything is a touch too clean but it is nice to have that very real capture of things and just the the way this is written it's still dark and heavy in exactly the way you'd want it to be <laughs>
so the band very quickly followed this all up uh throwing out an ep and a demo in between i think both kind of very much to me felt like pre-production for the second album the gilmanist occultist from 1992 so just a year later they are already back with another full length as i say there's been no lineup changes in in this time but um i guess the change with this is all the sort of engineering mixing and mastering is actually done in-house by um uh Vlasmil Volrol the uh the keyboard player and and uh, honestly like for an independent release as well they've improved everything this album sounds better in pretty much every way than the previous one they've like the drums still leave a little to be desired but um things have got sort of more evil sounding the guitars sound excellent on this album I, I really like it kind of tonally and they've turned up all the epic elements so i'd say th- this album does feel like an obvious follow-on from ritual but to, uh, with the gilmanese occultist we we get ridiculous things like the intro is now like an overture with all these myriad like hard to like pass elements going on in all sorts of different directions and all the tracks have got more kind of bombastic there's that little bit of like a sort of um classical energy to them it's it's really become quite full-on like a symphonic black metal album whereas the previous album those sort of keyboard elements were more subtly layered in here in this album they're far more kind of bombastic and and in your face It, it it comes along with its own quite um pretentious description the band describe it as the world's first black metal operata um sort of largely taking influence from like king diamond's very kind of rock opera type style this is reading from the from the wikipedia page um and it'd be the first of the band would do another uh kind of concept album in their comeback period but this is one of the one of the only two where they do this kind of you know self-referential contained story um it has quite an involved plot about like this character um coming to this town in 1913 uh, lots of sort of occultism and witchcraft going on but you know not speaking the language of the lyrics um i can't <laughs> i can't speak too deeply about how well they sort of execute um that element of it what does stand out from that kind of side of things is Fernanda storm's vocals have got even cooler like they are far more like harsh and rasping he goes into like a higher register for a lot of them it's just this really nasty all over the place vocal performance where he throws in like ridiculous elements like in the the first track proper there's a load of bits where he's like comes out of a phrase coughing or just making other very odd like sounds to go along with these great screams these songs all have these really like overly epic titles as well sort of i'm i'm running in through google translate so it's not ideal but we get stuff like um as persecuted by the mysteries of fate that everything is just according to my wishes things like that like just very epic uh epic statements and sentiments that kind of fit well with the music but yeah despite like i say this, this does feel like kind of symphonic black metal to me it doesn't descend into kind of the territory that's wrong with say like your old man's child type stuff where the symphonic element kind of overwhelms the guitar like the guitars are still the core of this it still has that kind of thrashy like very cool riffy nature to it it's just they found a way to kind of make that so much more epic and and so i think like stuff like the dual percussionist the timpani is really um audible on this you get that massive orchestral sound every time that's playing along with the kind of 
more traditional drumming and the drumming's really solid in this as well like more great double kicks kind of stuff that's approaching more blasting but the way this album's mixed is so guitar heavy like none of the the blast beats and stuff don't really overwhelm everything else going on kind of the one negative with this one is we do get some things that will sort of be signs of later albums and things that honestly will get to work better on their kind of like comeback period but like the last few tracks of the album are a bit overbearing in some of the keyboard elements uh slava slava the the second to last song it really like has this very annoying like kind of almost xylophone sound at the start that just sort of overwhelms things um that didn't so much work for me also i had that like i think this reaction might be a little unfair as well because for a while i was like I don't like how this album ends at all and didn't clock that uh, the last like seven minutes or so of it is bonus tracks that are not part of the concept and sort of some would probably were cut from it originally. You know that thing where you get an album digitally and it hasn't labelled the bonus tracks so you just think that's kind of how it goes and particularly not, not speaking the language and not being able to translate the concept. So... That's uh, that's nothing to hold against it. Just know if you get a copy of this, it's eleven songs long, not thirteen, and I'd probably stop at the eleventh track. But yeah, like um, yeah. So some of those keyboard elements can be a bit much, but honestly, as a whole, this, this album is really, really solid. balance it might even be my favorite um release of, of of all of master's hammers i know it doesn't quite have like the kind of cult energy of, of ritual but like that sort of progression in songwriting ability and the kind of you know the scope and ambition of the thing mix and the mix that just sounds like really good for this era i despite not loving kind of the final few tracks like the there are so many songs on this album i just think are absolutely brilliant i would argue both this and ritual are kind of essential listening for black metal fans so i think if you if you like the classic norwegian scene this stuff has such an importance and kind of such an influence on it that um yeah you you really should do yourself a favor and check it out um but then then things take a turn um 
So I don't know quite the truth of this. I'm getting some of this from um, from more or less kind of hearsay and that. But we get to the third album in 1995, uh, Slaggery or Um There's a complete change in kind of aesthetic for the cover, it being this kind of, looks like a kind of, I don't know, some weird, weird instrument with a little demon sitting on top of it on a yellow background. And the really notable thing is we have slimmed down from a six-piece to a two-piece with just uh, uh, Vistrasvoral uh, on keyboards and then Frenata Storm playing guitar, bass, drums, vocals. And the the thing I'd heard is essentially he'd got frustrated thinking the rest of the band weren't like sort of talented enough or musically progressing enough. Uh, was fed up with metal and wanted to do something different, uh, something that was more high-minded and intellectual and all, you know, all the things that go wrong with bands in 1995, the uh, <laughs> the kind of people who've been doing something very interesting for quite a few years and wanted to dip their toe into other genres but maybe getting frustrated with where metal was going, and it resulted in, for my money, one of those disasters that is so common for for this kind of era. Now, for another storm stands by this album, so possibly this is something that's just not for me. They will get into this a bit, but a lot of the members from the band went off to form various things and do a lot of stuff in genres outside of metal, which kind of appealed less to me than than this sort of early material. But this this album in itself is throwing a load of um very experimental ideas in there there's there's a track that's mainly based around this kind of like what sounds like samples like cello playing with um, him doing almost like operatic vocals over the top of it but then throwing in some like industrial or like almost dancey influences the first track is this kind of wild melding of of like synths guitars and uh, like this kind of electronic percussion it's very all over the place and i just couldn't latch on to anything in it um and and i think it's it's possibly some of it is coming from that place as well of it feeling so unrelated to all the material that had gone before where that felt like every release of master's hammer up to this felt like a natural progression like a building on the last and expanding whereas this just felt like throwing everything out the window and going going um uh, like absolutely wild but as they that they stand by it so you know maybe there's something great here maybe i'm i'm being overly harsh judge judge for yourself but what did result is this is the point where the the band sort of fizzled out after this uh so they they broke up the same year and i don't know whether that's kind of in relation to kind of um you know, critical pushback on the album or what. I, I think the band had, like, long stopped playing live. I don't know if they played live at all um, following the release of the Germanist Occultist. Like, I think, um, I think, yeah, they'd, like, they had been a sort of relatively active live act, but, yeah, obviously, you now they're slimmed down to two guys. That makes a little, that a little more difficult. And the fact that it's just a complete sort of change in direction. So, yeah, so I, I don't, don't really know with this. And, this would be an interesting point to leave things for the band like uh, they they have a hell of a legacy here and yeah albeit an album they didn't go down that well but the fact is they've got two absolute classic albums here and you know a load of demos that are very interesting for varying mileage if you're being able to deal with raw recordings of course and 
members of the band would go on to a lot of different weird and wonderful things um frenata has his project uh airbrusher which is um like i gave it a listen was very um kind of like sort of atmospheric sort of industrial kind of stuff uh necrocock himself has his bands uh caviar cavalier and the self-titled necrocock i think both of which started out a bit metallic and then went far more kind of experimental like industrial kind of stuff like none of it's really for me i, I must say but but then these are genres i you know i've talked about loads of times just not really not really getting that very sort of keyboard driven like symphony stuff so don't judge my negativity on any of that being being worth worth a thing um yeah as well there's a pretty good chance to mention uh Frenata storm has a really interesting bio on metal archives i always um i always thought like the the other stuff um uh he, he sort of gets up to outside the band is kind of fascinating so he's a typographer of international claim a musician artist teacher and author uh storm studied at the academy of arts uh architecture design in prague graduating in 91 and immediately becoming assistant to jan solpera a at the studio of typography later in 2003 storm became the head of the studio and uh remained in the position until 2008. In 1993, he founded the Storm Type Foundry, a small type foundry of his own. So far, Storm has produced more than 60 font families. Like, So he has this other thing going on of being a world expert in fonts. And I guess this kind of comes up in, like, so he's done the design for basically every Master's Hammer cover going and they've got a very interesting kind of feel to them. He has a very unique style and vision. Like, you even get that from his kind of somewhat bizarre, like, dress sense. But yeah, I just, I like that there's this this other thing going on in the background and the dates of that. He's doing all this while putting out albums like Ritual. So in December 2009, the band would reform for their fourth full-length album, Mantras. This lineup would feature most the members from the um, the last kind of black metal album, you know, almost like 17 years past the point of that release, but minus the drummer at the time. The drums on this album are apparently played by Fernando Storm, sort of using like a finger pad kind of thing, which is cool, so, you know, slightly more interesting and natural than um than programming them he's actually sort of you know tapping along with the songs but it does lead to the album happening is very like industrial quality to it and it sort of starts the trend of what all this later era of material would sound like of this far more kind of modern robust like massive sounding multi-layered take on the kind of all black metal backbone of kind of what they used in their early material so the kind of keyboard type and programmed and interesting sound effect elements are really sort of turned up in this like you can tell like the years of like sort of necrocroc solo project and the various like Frenata storm projects are really influencing this like getting those sort of very non-metal influences kind of over the top of this but it are, at the core of this is, is a heavy i guess black metal sort of template the other thing unsurprising with uh 17 years apart and him not really screaming in the meantime 
is the vocals have completely changed. They've kind of gone to this. But I really quite like the sound of his later vocals. This sort of like strange but like quite full sound like not a million miles off um what the exotrillium guy does but not quite as extreme as that these are kind of i know more more understandable but they still have that quality of being quite quite like an alien noise yeah i, I really like where his vocals have gone i think this is an interesting change up from that more kind of classic black metal scream he had on some of the uh some of the earlier releases in terms of material, Mantras is a bit of a mixed bag for me. Like, the first four songs all kind of have this quite heavy sort of pounding rhythm to them. Like, the, the, as I say, they all kind of layered in, like, synths and timpani work quite well over this base of black metal. But then things take a bit of a turn around the mid part of the album with Body, um, he switches to a more deep sung voice for it, which, which works quite well. But then on the, the next track, which translates to, I think, Red Mud, um, Things go in a very Rammstein-esque direction, which didn't really work for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so into that. It's a little too just set in the um, industrial without any like a, a clear kind of um, leaning back into the the black metal element that I like this band for. But then on the next two tracks, things go a bit more wild. Taipan and Vanra, we get this kind of cool combination of like kind of the more classic thrashy riffs, but then going back and forth between the kind of screams and the, those deep clean vocals and having this cool trade-off between like the melodic and the heavy vanra even throwing in a lot of lead guitars and really like bombastic over the top keyboards and that kind of stuff i think works works really nicely the only but it's sort of slightly strange choice in this album is there's like a, a cover of yama well cover like a re-recording of yama pekla at the end which is like you, you didn't need that like i don't know that always that feels a weird thing to include in the actual sort of track listing because there's like there's an outro following it. it like as an additional song those re-recordings are fun but to put in in the main track listing felt like a bit of a weird choice it's also sort of a sort of slightly strange thing is it's the only album cover um not done by storm himself like this is a this is a painting and a really quite sinister but very simplistic kind of colored drawing of a face that I, I don't know i found quite affecting although kind of it's one of those things uh because of the way the the kind of logo is splashed over the image it's somewhat um somewhat interrupts it i like i mean i know it's all entirely intentional but yeah it, it's it's an interesting choice of the cover and quite a statement for a black metal band coming back with you know the image this band have and that kind of aesthetic for the cover very different and i remember seeing this advertising like a like a terrorizer magazine something like that in like 2009 and just having no idea what to make of this band um and i don't know had i picked it up would it have made more sense to me but overall this was a really interesting sort of comeback album the there's there's a lot of sort of new ideas and strangeness and the way they've kind of fused those solo projects where they've gone away from from metal in quite a quite a like direct way they they you know projects where they've completely shedded that element even removing guitars completely in some cases and melding that with kind of the black metal that that made the band popular in the first place i'm not sure what the reaction was at the time but uh i think for a comeback it did the interesting thing of like not trying to rehash the old but clearly at least drawing influence and having something there for like the fans to pick up on <laughs> Thank you. 
this brings us to 2012 and for what i guess for me is the peak of their kind of comeback era i love this album i don't know how to say the czech title but according to google translate it's uh put the watering can back in place which um that <laughs> shows the bizarre level they're operating on it's uh back to um for another storm for for the album cover and it's this strange like kind of very beautifully done but like hand-drawn image like this this kind of style would stick for the rest of the his things this kind of like cool kind of drawn style like the kind of line art kind of thing which an image in the foreground over a very colorful background and in this it is a a, a smoking angel similarly like seeming to make two watering cans float up in the air i have no idea what the significance of that is but it's certainly an interesting stylistic choice um the band has kind of changed once again so it's uh um Frenetta and necrocock doing all the guitars and vocals and then we get uh uh honza kapak uh, i probably pronounced it wrong i do apologize um come in as a as a proper drummer so i think this is something that elevates this over mantras in a huge way as an actual drummer just adds so much to the sound this guy has been around in in the kind of metal scene for for a while being playing with bands like avenger maniac butcher krieg in his credits or a lot of stuff but he's i think primarily known as a drummer although he does play bass and guitar and do vocals for other bands so you know very um very busy musician uh, like huge metal archives profile but yeah he brings something really special to the band here and the songs of this just have so much more of a powerful core than than on the previous album it's it's more heavy it's more aggressive there's a a sort of real like nastiness and riffiness of the guitars i i i really enjoy the the riff writing on this but they're bringing in all those other instru instruments and ideas to full effect here there's loads of great laying of keyboards uh necrocock as i say even uh adds in vocals to this like throwing in these very strange high pitch like kind of harmony vocals over over certain sections which are like more disturbing than they are are melodic whereas um storm is sticking to his growled voice there's less of less of his clean vocals on this album and there's there's less of that industrial feel i think now they've got a real drummer this feels like a very thick heavy extreme metal album there there is the that core of black metal or um or fresh metal to to the base of all of this while still keeping things atmospheric although um a lot of it like the the band never really go for particularly long songs like actually throughout their career most of the songs are around like the kind of five minute mark so it's a lot of like short concise songs full of riffs full of interesting layering ideas full of little melodic hooks and then stuff that gets a bit more nasty and brutal there's um still like kind of a trend of strange like interludes like the 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 song dreaming bulldog is is completely bizarre in the middle of this album but then leads into uh tracks like love class and uh flammarion which are just absolutely brilliant like you know so their best writing of this later era with so many kind of memorable hooks while still remaining um yeah extremely heavy yeah i think this is a fantastic follow-up album and if you're interested in the later career of master's hammer i definitely think this is the uh, the start point for it.
Also, an interesting thing to note with this is uh, credited in the, the staff in this, we have uh, Blackosh um, mastering and photography as well. So clearly, uh, he's getting involved with the band here, who is a name you may know if you're familiar with that kind of scene, because he's the guitarist of also legendary uh, Czechia black metal band, or sort of proto-black metal band root, and a fantastic um, guitarist with a real amazing kind of sense of, like, melodicism and heaviness like he is he's someone who i really like his um a lot of his work and you know he'll come up a lot more and <laughs> towards the end of this episode <laughs> still got a fair amount of material left to cover um but i'm gonna rush through this because it's getting into an area i'm sort of less familiar with although i've got a, got a few things to say about each of it so in the next couple of years so from sort of 2013 onwards we get a string of shorter releases splits eps um i think splits and singles where i say like a lot of um more cool artwork of the all in this same sort of design style of the the white uh like complex white drawing on a very colorful background and these couple of tracks like um as i say a lot of this stuff is all collect collected on Bandcamp, so it's really easy to sort of get hold of this but um all the splits and ep releases from this era are collected in one one collection on um master's hammers page and the other half of the splits are all with uh blackosh and um the master's hammer half of them is kind of them leaning more into their non-metal influences like i like it should say at this point for the storm he's one of those guys who after being you know very important in some early developments of metal just maintains he doesn't like metal anymore which makes it very funny where he goes with all this stuff like i mean that that opinion i i can often find kind of frustrating but i guess when you put out works that important you can you can say what you like about the genre and yeah he kind of cites his influences being kind of long long gone from this this kind of area whereas um yeah so their half is far more kind of um experimental and weird whereas uh black Oster stuff is really great kind of stuff in the vein of root but with more classically harsh um kind of vocal delivery more kind of that kind of mix of like 
black metal and the melodic he he pulls off really well and he also if you, you find his own band camp he is all his sides of the splits kind of collected into an album and that album itself is really decent so yeah if you search for black off black Osh on uh Bandcamp, I, I highly recommend that that release is like a really interesting sort of distillation of some of that middle period kind of root sound, but made a bit more traditional by virtue of his um his vocal approach. Also, the other member of that is uh, Seppa, who is the the drummer for Forgotten Silence, a band I spoke about at length um last year. Um, another another cool one from sort of this this area and this this era. So yeah, they 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 sort of do some interesting stuff in that period. And at the sort of middle of 2014, we get their what would this be their sixth album, uh, Vargas Vitas, um, which is the only other sort of concept album the the band put out oh the one thing i've got to mention is silent hell the um timpani player rejoins the band as as a permanent part of their sound which i think works nicely i think his his additions while subtle do give things this kind of overall sense of being master's hammer that 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 sort of that sound in the percussion is is part of their thing and so that going forward for the last um the last free masters hammer album um works really well this one has like talking of the dislike of metal there is an amazing quote on this album of an imaginary old wanderer vagus vitas journeys through an unfamiliar labyrinth and there's nothing good waiting for him uh Disgusted with the progress and um, modernity of all kinds, he enjoys listening to uh, Aeolian harps and the sounds of post-mortal flatulence. He finds his consolation in hedonistic experience of natural origin, um, phraseology of the phraseology of extreme metal. Although pitiful and worn out, is a good enough to express the urgency of these topics. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, amazing quote about the album there. Uh, so you kind of get the the sense of their their feeling on um on some of this music at the time. But um, but the fact is, they put out another very heavy, really enjoyable metal album here. Um, this one I think follows very neatly on from the last. It's stylistically very similar, although the mix leads even heavier into the drumming. And I actually realised I, I made a mistake earlier. Um, Hansa isn't in the band for um, for this this album or the next. He only comes back for the final one. We are back to uh, Storm programming all the drums for us, and it has like a kind of well programming or, or doing the the tapping pad. I'm I'm not sure, but it's um, synthetic drums again, and they're. They're good, but you can tell they're programmed. <laughs> listening, listening to this again, I can, yeah. And I think you know that's 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 the difference in this and the last is because of that drum sound. It's not quite as cool. I still think the songwriting is very creative. I I think it's really catchy and it gets everything right that the previous album um did. And if you liked that last one, I'd say this is the obvious kind of um follow up to 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 go along with it's um yeah it's, it's it's a very cool release but um i get the kind of impression so between 2009 and 2018 they put out five albums and a load of eps and there is a kind of stylistic consistency between them so I, i've never felt the need to know each of them particularly deeply this one 
I feel like I could have listened to more ahead of this. I, I'm kind of really liking it in in the last few days listening and kind of wish I knew a bit better. Next up, we have Formulae, which is probably the one I bounced off the most of the, the later career. It wasn't by no means bad, but it felt like the most experimental. And with these guys and their influence, them being experimental can be a little bit wacky in places like the there's the second track uh meet from space has an intro that i just find annoying like the the sound effects and stuff they went for just doesn't quite work it still has great tracks uh track four shy gecko has this great kind of like almost like death metal energy to it and the back and forth and the vocals is really cool so there are some stand-up moments like that i really enjoy um apparently all songs um I, yeah i wanted to bring this up because this this sort of comes up in the notes of a lot of them and uh, storms talked about this quite a lot of um all the songs were written in india and south bohemia um so south bohemia area of of czechia that is insanely beautiful um and apparently he likes to travel to india a lot to relax and he find, he was saying like this is the only way he can write in later years where he will sort of go to a holiday destination with his guitar and you know come up with all this music and i think that sort of speaks to how a lot of the later master hammer albums were apparently written so he's saying um he would come up with the core of most of the tracks of the album and then i think the other musicians all get to sort of add a bit of their their signature adding their kind of um harmonies extra layering and stuff particularly like necrocock gets to adding quite a lot of of details on these albums so there's a big development in 2017 or well late 2016 the band announced they would be performing live again for the first time in 25 years initially booked for a brutal assault but i think they did a a smaller warm-up show ahead of that and the lineups moved a bit to accommodate this so we have a new bass player joined the band but also necrocock seems to leave and is replaced by blackosh as the sort of uh, live guitarist and actually blackosh then records guitar for the next album so this means like in these last few years of master's hammer we actually get some live shows and there's some footage from them that you know first time playing in 25 years and they kind of pulled out all the stops of it um the, that warm-up show I, I think is at the warm-up show they actually get joined on stage by Nurgle from Behemoth who sort of made a big deal out of like you know coming back to this band that were a big influence in back in the day and he does the kind of the cool more black metal screamy bit in uh, Yama Pekle and uh, there's like sort of video on this but um, <laughs> this is all kind of overshadowed in the video in a really hilarious manner because um, <laughs> you know Master Hammer are very over-the-top band on stage with them they had these two like mostly naked women wearing baphomet heads in the background um for bizarre stage dressing i guess they wanted to one-up gorgoroth's naked crucified people in sheer kind of distracting ridiculousness but it means they have a video where they're on stage with nurgle of behemoth and he's kind of like peak fame and nobody is watching Nurgle he's in the corner while these two women are so much more visibly on stage I know it struck me as really funny which brings us on to Masters Hammer's final album 2018's Fascinator so this album features basically the the lineup they've been playing live with so Frenata vocals guitars keyboards etc um now like drummer Hans is back with them also credited with guitar on this we have Suntel on timpani 
uh, new bass player in in the lineup and uh, Blackosh credited with with rhythm guitar and um, this this album is again it, it feels like a kind of continuation of the sound they were doing on the watering can album i can't remember the full title of that i'm sorry i just cannot pronounce the the other version but that, that sound i really enjoyed of their later material fascinator is, is is bringing a lot of that energy again um the the real drummer adds something quite powerful to the mix like it, it, this album sounds really nice it's very you know it's modern it's slick it's kind of you know beautifully layered we have all of that the songs are kind of even more kind of shortened and like just quick flashes of cool ideas like a lot of them around the three minute mark but it has that great kind of combination of the heavy kind of death metal elements and then then amazing like weird keyboard detours um it's interesting not having sort of Necrocox touch on this it's never going to stop being funny that being a name and me trying to talk about this seriously um but yeah like so he turns up as a guest vocalist for um a track called brain drain and like you know it's, it's a quite a stand-up moment having his kind of his strange highs on this but yeah maybe some of his textures are missing from this which might be why this doesn't quite sort of beat out the other albums of this era as 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 kind of one of the most notable but there are it's full of kind of really decent songs like a lot of um a lot of really cool melodies it has probably the best cover art of the era like uh storm has really outdone himself in this very complex colorful like extremely abstract strange cover yeah i really i really like the album covers this and there's a lot of tracks i enjoy on this like uh crocodile's really decent um brain drain like i i remember really enjoying as well the opening the opener fascinator is really solid as well it's just yeah i think because this year as i say it's five albums that are relatively in the same vein and a string of other sort of smaller releases it's a lot to digest because the best part of five hours of music all in this this sort of mindset whereas like the early stuff there was i guess that all built in the same way as well yeah it, it's it's very interesting there's like clear delineation between the two ends of um of the career this this post reformation masters hammer really does feel like them kind of reimagining the band but with the same sort of core ideals of their like they kept their aesthetic very true to what it previously was the lyrical themes if if maybe taken a bit more kind of wacky and silly in later years still have that sort of um strange occult and philosophical storytelling going on there and and there is there's the same kind of ideas of of the layering of of other influences over the metal keeping that sort of timpani and keyboard elements there so i i, I personally really like the the kind of reform master's hammer i think it has a hell of a lot to offer it's never going to be it's never going to be better in a way than those kind of two early albums because they have this impossibly legendary status but it's one of those things where you the the legend around those albums makes them impossible to compare to i mean the, the we're talking about albums you know as i was kind of going mad on earlier that, that had had such an impact on say a scene as as all-consuming as the norwegian black metal scene and these later ones are just a a very interesting kind of aside for a band that like 
do get somewhat forgotten from the conversation now you know as an audience i imagine a lot of you are going well i i knew master hammer listened to years yeah but you you're learned metal fans you know your stuff well like i I fully accept I'm late to the party on this one. But there is, you know, I, I think in general they are not a band you'd hear about necessarily in your your first year or two listening to black metal, despite having kind of what I feel is some, some serious significance and serious influence on the genre. In terms of the later career, I, I think this is a, a very elegant comeback for a band, especially a band that had kind of lost interest in metal, like to come back and do stuff that is still relevant and inventive and probably in its own sort of smaller way, like influential on certain metal bands. Like that, I think that's kind of cool. And also, I, to some extent, like given the the other material these guys do, I don't know how much of that is slightly put on to wind people up. I could imagine um, being a band like this, you'd be, you'd um, want to test the sense of humour of some black metal fans over the years. So, uh, yeah, uh, how much of it is that? But although I do get the impression they are those kind of musicians who probably probably haven't kept up on newer metal, which is why these these last five albums sound so kind of alien and out there, sort of blending a lot of influences you don't hear here too often uh i've gone on for quite a while about this band and feel i don't know enough to add any more at the stage like it's always difficult with these full discography uh discussions especially like about like this like eight albums quite dense I, I never felt i really fully cracked them but i hope um for those of you who haven't listened to to them before i've inspired you to go out and check out a few of these albums as i say um if you if you're a fan of that kind of black metal like definitely make sure you've heard the first two i i feel they're kind of like essential listening to the genre but dip your toe into the later career like these these last five albums all have something interesting to offer i've got my favorites but i i could see people enjoying all of them differently they all have their all slightly unique spin on the sound if you want to get in touch with me, um, as always, Phil's Breakfast Metal on Facebook or Instagram, at Breakfast Metal on Twitter, or if you want to sign something a bit longer, uh, Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, yeah, thanks a lot for listening.